Hello and welcome to part two of a special edition of Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. In September, I traveled to Jordan, Palestine, and Israel with a group of Catholic journalists sponsored by the Catholic Near East Welfare Association, which is the pontifical agency that takes care of all the missions in the Middle East. Last week, we visited several communities in Jordan, and this week, we visit Israel and Palestine. which is a Christian university um, for anyone who wants to come here. And I'm sitting with two students, Ellen and Christina. So you were saying that you you moved here to Bethlehem from Jerusalem. So, so you, sorry, you were born in Jerusalem? Yeah, I was born in Jerusalem. And then your family moved here? Uh-huh. Yeah, they moved here a long time ago. A long time ago before they were, before the wall? Uh, yeah, of course before the wall. Okay. Uh-huh. Is Bethlehem University the only viable university for you to go to? Um, no, of course, um, I can go to another university, but I, um, I have chosen this university because like, um, the, the level of education here is very, very high, um, and the environment is very, it's very great, it's a very warm environment. Uh, besides, it's the, the only Christian university in Palestine. Okay, and I'm assuming that you are a Christian then? Yeah, I'm Christian. Okay. And I'm just going to ask Christina a question. So, Christina, and just the noise, I'm going to need to explain that we're actually being served lunch here at Bethlehem University. So it's the hospitality students that are preparing the lunch? Yes. The people who, the students who study hotel management. Hotel management. Yeah. One of their courses is the service, and they're, like, practicing on us. They're practicing on us, so if it's bad... No, no, no. The chef cooks it. They just serve it. <laughs> uh, okay. And what are you studying? I'm studying accounting, majoring in accounting. Accounting. Okay. And you're, you told me earlier that you and Ellen are part of the student ambassador program. Can you explain to me what that is? It's a program to have the foreigners who come to visit Bethlehem and Bethlehem University to know about the situation, about um, different kinds of students from different parts and how uh, their experience to come to college and like their experience of life and being Palestinians, uh, including the wall and everything, and the students at the same time. Like their experience shared, shared with the people who come here and when they ask us and have any questions about the whole situation, we are ready to answer. Okay, so you you told me earlier that you were born here in Bethlehem? Yes, I was born in Bethlehem. And are you a, a Christian or a Muslim? No, I'm a Christian. Are, would you say that, that because Christians and Muslims come to this university? Uh, yes, well, Palestine is like the majority of it are Muslims, so the majority in the university are Muslim, even though it's a Christian university. Now, for people who have no idea where Bethlehem is, or what the West Bank is, or what Palestine is, can you maybe briefly explain what it's like, what, what, what does it look like, what, what is it like to live here? Yeah, I mean, it looks it looks like it. Honestly, it looks like any any town, any city. There are cars, there's traffic, there's traffic yeah. lights, there are people yeah. walking on the street. Yeah, it is like any city when the situation is normal, when we don't have um, fireworks, when we don't have any violence action happening. It is normal like any other city. Uh, in fact, Palestine, one of the most beautiful places. It has so many. Uh, 
historical and wonderful places that we're watching. Uh, to me, when we are at the times where the Israeli and Palestinians come in interaction violence, violently, it's very, like, you can't imagine unless you see it in your own eyes. It's the same time as we live in fear, just hiding, to be, like, just to be able to have a, have a sense of security, we hide between three walls from this side and three walls from this side. Now, you said that, that it, when there's no conflict, it could normal, quote-unquote, but there's still a big wall that separates you from Israel, or even, no, it's not even Israel, it's just other parts of the, yeah, so, what? Do you know what process we have to go to Jerusalem? Tell me. Uh, actually, every, everyone who wants to pass to Jerusalem should first bring their ID and the magnetic ID that they made us make, uh, they made us to do. Um, so you have the magnetic ID, your ID, and then, and then you apply for permission, which is a long process, till you get permission for a couple of days, so you can go to the school. And even though when you have these three things, you have to pass through the checkpoints, which is a very, very long, humiliating process, which is you have to lose everything metal, any accessories, anything, anything, you have to make sure you don't have them, and pass through metal detector, Till just to be able to go to Jerusalem, which is distantly not that far from Bethlehem, but it's a long process. People like I really don't want to go there just not to see go through all the procedures. Like, but it's not that far. But it takes us so many hours and time just to be able to go there. Can you describe for people who are not it's radio, so they're not watching it? Can you describe what the wall looks like? Well, it's um, a very huge, long, a, a basically like any wall, very tall that you cannot, any, there's no possible way to see the other side. It's very, very long and um, there's no way to pass it, pass through it. So there's no way you could climb it? No, no, no. Because it's so tall or because you're not strong enough? <laughs> strong enough but there's no possible way even though there is like soldiers in each it's like um couple of meters yeah there is soldiers so you can get shots to be to climb the wall so it's like you're living in a camp or a prison because it's a small big like not like a prison just a big prison that you are trapped you cannot go for places and even if you have the ability to go it would be like limiting visiting visiting like for a limited period of time and even though for like limited uh, places you can go and not all parts even if you have the permission not all parts you can go to it now is it possible to live here in bethlehem and not have to ever go out could you live here work here go to school here and be okay Actually, that's what we are doing now because, like, normally we don't have a permission, but it is possible. But like, we prefer to go to look at. Sometimes you want to have a vacation. You want to just to forget about work, homework, everything. You want to go to vacation. You want to see the sea. We we have to get permission to see the sea, which was originally ours. So you can live. That's what we are. Palestinian and people who live in the West Bank and Gaza are doing. It is possible, but we prefer not to. If we have the other option to live other way, we will choose the other option. Uh, in fact, when people have permission, 
the first thing they do, they go to Jerusalem just to have like a different aspect of life. Okay, so I'm just going to ask Ellen a question. So you were saying uh, you graduate next year. Yeah. And uh, you're hoping to continue maybe studying, maybe go to another country. Uh-huh. If you go to, let's say, Canada, because okay. Canada is the best country to go to, of course. <laughs> would you come back? Yeah, of course I would come back. Um, this is my country, my home. And um, I, 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 I don't like to immigrate. Okay, maybe I will go to continue my education, then I will come here to serve my country. Okay, but you want to study, you say you're studying travel? Travel agent. So you could be a travel agent here? Yeah, of course. Um, because Palestine is one of the most important destinations to tourists. Okay, so you would be a travel agent arranging for, for, for tourists to come here, or pilgrims to come to Bethlehem. Yeah to come here, or I can arrange on to, to people from here to go abroad. How easy is it for people who live here, who maybe don't have a passport? Uh-huh. Could, could you have a Palestinian passport? I know you, you know, so how would that work? Um, because I have a Jordanian passport. Okay, so you, you have a Jordanian passport, but for other people, is it easy for them to leave? Um, it's not easy, because it's a very long process. They have to do a lot, lot of things. Um, Okay, so she's going through her purse, and she has a big purse, and she's going to show me, I don't know, your, your passport? Well, oh, you have a, You want me to read something? I can read it if you want. It's yes. about... Um, yeah, it's about... Showing me a piece of paper, and there's a whole list of things that you need a visa. So, you need a visa from the Israeli authorities. Uh-huh. Oh, to go to Jerusalem because uh-huh. you have to go to Jerusalem okay. to go to the we consulate. Have to go to the embassy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's why you have to go to Jerusalem because all the embassies are in Jerusalem. Uh, we have to get a visa from the consulate of the country, usually, in, also, it's in Jerusalem. Right. Permission from the university abroad with right. all paper documents. Um, and difficulty for Gaza students, of course, to leave Gaza. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Gaza later. And um, uh, yeah, uh, all the um, credentials. Uh huh. Okay, grades, valid visas, and rights to leave. If you went, when when you come to Canada, if you went. Is it easy for you to come back? Yeah, definitely. It's easy to come back. So it's not difficult because you have to... It's easy, but to go abroad is difficult. Okay, but not impossible. I mean, I know people that go, so... Um, to, to go abroad is not impossible, but it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. You're listening to a special edition of Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. That was a conversation I had with two students at Bethlehem University, Christina and Ellen. I spoke to them while we were having a spectacular lunch prepared for us by the hospitality students of the university, so that's why it was so noisy. Here now is the St. Michael's Choir School with The Holy City from their album, This Is The Day. Last night I lay asleep 
You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. That was the St. Michael's Choir School with The Holy City. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is a special Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. So I was just speaking with Christina and Ellen. They are two young women who are students at Bethlehem University. And uh, Ellen mentioned Dimitri. And Dimitri, I'm sorry, I don't know your last name. Uh, Awad. Dimitri Awad, you, are, you work here at Bethlehem yes, University. What is your job? Uh, I'm the guest relations assistant. Okay, so uh, are you, uh, you're Palestinian? Yes, are I'm you a Christian and Palestinian. From Bethlehem? From, uh, yeah, from Beit Sahors, uh, right adjacent to Bethlehem, where the shepherd's field's at over there. Okay, so the question that, that I had asked Ellen, and she said to ask you, yes. just about Gaza. So um, to us who are outsiders, it seems that there's, there's a, a vast difference between the way people live in the West Bank and people live in Gaza. Is that fair to say that that's, that, 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 is that the truth? Well, I mean, you can say that uh, if I wanted to go uh, bring a particular item that I'm not saying any very necessarily goods like water, or milk, or bread, something else, here I could most likely obtain it in Gaza. It might have to be smuggled from Egypt. There's a lot of uh, tunnels in Gaza, and I've heard and I've read even in uh, some articles online that they even uh, bring cars through those tunnels. Yes, I've heard that too. But so... So there are more restrictions, or there's a boycott, or uh, is it is harder to get stuff into Gaza? Why? It's a lot more difficult, yes. Um, even um, you, many of the Gazans, are, uh, they find it very difficult to come into the West Bank, uh, to come here just for a regular visit. Um, you know, one of the one case is Berlantia Zam, who was a student here. And simply because she has a Gaza, she, simply because she had a Gaza ID, she was not allowed to come back here. Uh, because she had to go through Israel, Israel to yes, get into the West Bank. Because she had to go through an Israeli checkpoint, exactly to get into the West Bank. Now, uh, but again, again, just for people who, yes. who are <laughs> not to try to explain the whole history uh, because it's complicated, but the West Bank and 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 Gaza are both the Israelis would say are are, are or sorry, you would say well, it's occupied territories. But what's the well, the difference is. Uh, the West Bank uh, is uh, run, controlled by the Fatah Party, uh, by, uh, run by uh, Mahmoud Abbas. Uh, right now he's out in the U.S. Uh, doing some nego- uh, they're having a direct talks, him, uh, President Obama, and uh, Netanyahu, and obviously a few other politicians from Egypt, Jordan. Um, and so they are the main party that um, the U.S. and Israel would prefer to negotiate with. Uh, Hamas, however, are in control of Gaza, and Israel does not want to negotiate with Hamas because the difference between the, uh, Hamas and Fatah, Hamas does not want to recognize the 67 borders. Fatah uh, wants to, they want to, how should I say, ease off on some certain issues. For example, uh, just today, um, uh, President Mahmoud Abbas said, you know, in terms of the settlement freeze, it's okay. I, I will perhaps continue to have talks with you even if the settlement freeze does not take effect. Okay, so it, is it fair to say that then maybe Fatah is a little more moderate and Hamas is has, is a little more specific as to what their, their I would say, would be? yes, uh, I mean, I would say uh, Hamas is more, a uh, lot more, uh, 
uh, religious. Let me put it that way. Okay. Hamas is more religious. They tie religion with politics. Fatah tries to be more liberal, distancing themselves from politics. As an example, in Gaza, for ex uh, women are not allowed to smoke uh, ergila because somehow in religion that's wrong, or you know that just doesn't go along with the Quran. Uh, here in the West Bank, there's no such thing, and I don't think you would ever hear of such thing. There's, of course, many other things, but uh, you know when people hear even in Palestine here Hamas. They think of the religion at first because you know uh, they'd rather establish a Muslim country, uh, you know, uh, a religious state. yes, a religious state, I should say. Okay, uh, so but yeah. sorry, just to clarify for people who don't know what Argile is, so that's the the hookah oh, pipe, the hubby yes. bubbly, which is a cultural thing for you guys. It is, and it you're is. saying that even in the Gaza, so even someone who's not Muslim, like a Christian woman, would not be allowed either. Yes, yes. I mean, it would be weird if she just walked in a, a cafe there and started smoking a hookah or, ca or whatever you call it. By herself, yeah, yeah. So even the way they dress, would a Christian? Because I see that young women here who are Christian are are wearing, uh, I guess, Western clothing, jeans, t-shirts. That would not be as easy in a place where that is, like Gaza. It would, yeah, absolutely, it would not be. Uh, there is a very, very small percentage of uh, Christians in Gaza. Uh, there is a church there, uh, so it, yes. it's not to say that Christians there are hiding in their homes in the basements. No, but it's very different. Uh, you know, here, uh, you know, you're obviously in, in Bethlehem, the Holy Land, the Holy of all places, and the Nativity Church is here. Many uh, sects are here. You have Orthodox, Catholics, Latin here. Uh, so it's more free, free here. Girls, a lot of them, even Muslim girls here, come dressed more Western. Right. Even ones from Jerusalem come here. Uh, Muslim students are, you know, they don't wear the headscarf. Yeah. Uh, I don't believe that's something you would see a lot in Gaza. Even the fact that the majority of your students, 70%, you said, are, are women, it, it, would that be unusual in, in that women are encouraged to seek an education, or is that...? Um, well, uh, the reason more women seek education uh, is because, um, yeah, you know, whether Christian or Muslim, uh, families here are very conservative, very... Uh, they tend to not want their daughters to leave out to study. They would... It's okay, many of them let their sons go abroad to study. Not to say every, no females go abroad to study. No, some, many do. So uh, their daughters are more likely to uh, stay here and, uh, as, and, and study uh, close to their families. I mean, there's even no dormitories here in Bethlehem University. Okay, now, did you, are you a graduate of Bethlehem University? No, I actually, uh, <laughs> I, uh, my fa my, uh, I graduated from uh, the University of Michigan. Okay. Uh, go blue. So you're one of the, <laughs> you're one of those uh, ma male who are allowed to, to go and study abroad. You had that yeah, opportunity. Well, yes, actually, I was one of the. Um, I mean, uh, yes, yes, I was. Uh, my family, though, it's a different story. My dad has been in the U.S. since okay. ever. Okay. But you know, so I moved back and forth, and I, you know, I, I love the U.S. So I uh, lived in California and Michigan, and I graduated from uh, U of M. Okay, so maybe just briefly to end off, uh, Bethlehem University is the first university here in the West Bank. Bethlehem University is the first university, first uh, Christian university in the West Bank. Uh, it's the only Christian university still in the West Bank. Only Christian university in, in the West Bank, absolutely. But you said there are 12 other universities. Yes, roughly 12, but the only Christian one here, uh, the only one that uh, you know is run, as far as I know, uh, in, in the West Bank by Dale Saul Brothers. Okay, and uh, about how many students do you have? We have roughly 3,000 students, uh, and of, of, the th of those 3,000, of course, like I was saying, 70% uh, are Muslim and 70% are female students. Okay. Yeah. And, and this is a place where, 
I've heard a lot of the students say that Muslim, Christian, it doesn't, nobody asks you what your religion, they're all the same, they work well together, they study together, there's no issues. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, it's been, this university has been open since 1973, uh, and uh, I would say in all those years, maybe a few scuffles, uh, you know, between uh, students, it's whatever political issues usually, but for the most part, yes, it's, it's been an excellent relationship. Uh, between those students and the university does their part by providing a religious course that is mandatory you have to take it uh, half of it is about Islam and the other half is about Christianity so all the students no matter what their faith is have to take that course they all have to take that course uh, the Muslim teacher teaches the Quran about Islam and then there's a father Jamal he teaches the uh, you know the Christian part Okay, now you just said your father's in the United States, you studied there, you could have stayed in the United States. You came back, why are you back, and why are you working at Bethlehem University? Well, um, I guess, you know, I've been lucky in my life, so when I came back here, I wasn't really thinking of working here. Uh, a friend called me and he said, hey, there's a job, uh, public relations uh, at BU. He said, you know, that might be something you like, because my English is good and my background. So I applied and I got accepted here. And then as I started working here, I fell in love with the university and uh, also the students. Uh, they're so, they're very nice here. Uh, they, a lot of them, you can see in their eyes, they want to do a lot more. They, they keep asking so many questions, things we in America would find very simple, like, you know, oh, how is the mall, or what kind of food is there, or right. what kind of car did you drive? Uh, you know, it's, it's the things that they see on TV, you know, yeah, and, and so they, and I, I think it's nice, you know, they have ambitions. You know, hopefully in the future things will ease up here for them. Well, thank you, Dimitri, very much. So, Dimitri Awad yes. is the public relations manager well, or director uh, of public relations? Hopefully, uh, soon it will be the public relations <laughs> manager or our officer. Okay. Uh, but right now, the uh, public relations assistant or guest uh, relations assistant. Oh, guess, okay, good. For Bethlehem University in Bethlehem, yes. thank you so much for Absolutely. talking with us My today. Pleasure. You're listening to a special edition of Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our email address is radio at saltandlighttv.org and our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Here now is the St. Michael's Choir School with Ave Verum by Mozart from their album, This is the Day.
That was the St. Michael's Choir School with Ave Verum. You're listening to a special Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. So I'm, I'm sitting here now with uh, uh, Mr. Gabby oh, Kando. He is uh, he's uh, the uh, project coordinator for Pontifical Missions in Palestine. In Palestine. Palestine okay, yeah. so the whole country. Palestine and, uh, Palestine and Israel. Israel. When we talk about Israel, that means the Arab Palestinians who are living in Israel. Okay, so maybe that's a good place to start. If you can explain why, what's the difference between? Okay, so the Palestinians who are living in Israel. That means that. Uh, we are talking about land that were occupied uh, af- uh, after the first uh, occupation in 1948. Uh, this area like uh, Nazareth, uh, Haifa, uh, Jaffa, and uh, the areas up uh, the Galilee. And then we have the uh, Israeli citizens who are living in Jerusalem, uh, like me, uh, which we had. Uh, our residency after the reoccupying of the occupying of Jerusalem in 1967, and then we have the Palestinians who are living in the West Bank, like uh, Bethlehem, Betzahor, and other West Bank in, uh, in, pa- in Palestine, besides Gaza. Okay, so the Palestinians that ended up in the what you call the occupied, yes. well, the occupied territories, yes. West Bank yes. or Gaza. Yes. They ended up in there because they were displaced from other places? Some of them, those who were displaced, they, they were put in a place called refugees, refugee camps. Refugee camp. Yes, inside the cities. And uh, for example, Bethlehem uh, have uh, three uh, refugee camps. Uh, one is called the Heisha camp, Aida camp, and al camp. These camps are inside the city. When you walk in, in the city, you may not recognize them uh, because they are in the heart of the city, but uh, these people who were displaced from their uh, homes after the reoccupation of uh, other parts of uh, Palestine, they were uh, they ran away, and uh, part of them chose to come to Bethlehem, part of them chose to go to Hebron, part of them chose to go to to the north cities of Palestine. And we have some also, and we have also some people who run away to Gaza. So, so these camps, like you said, you might not notice that they are. I think when people think of camps, they think South Africa townships. So they don't look like that. What do they look like? Well, I never been there. I don't know what how it looks like in. Uh, well, are they surrounded by a, by a fence or are they, no, do no, people no, live in no, tents? No, you know, like those refugee camps. No, you might not record them. As I said, you might not uh, recognize them when you walk in the city. It's like. Very old buildings uh, inside the city itself. So, uh, for you as a foreigner, you might not recognize uh, that you are passing by uh, a refugee camp. Well, today we passed by uh, by a refugee camp on our way from uh, Al Alai School uh, after uh, Bethlehem University, that school. On our way to the Church of the City, we passed by a refugee camp. So this was a refugee camp yes. inside Bethlehem. Inside Bethlehem. Um, now, those people who live in that camp, can they move out? Could of they course. move into yes, Bethlehem? Yes, they have free, mo- free, free movement inside the city itself. They, they are living as a Bethlehemite uh, city. They have uh, the right to vote inside Bethlehem. They have uh, a place also in the, in the municipal council as well. So if they have freedom of movement inside, Palace, inside the, 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 uh, the West Bank, for example, why... Why do we say that they live in a camp and not just say that they live in Bethlehem? Uh, 
from the beginning when they came, they were living in the tents, and it was a, a camp, a big camp. Originally. They were living in originally it was tents. Then uh, part of them, not all of them. Uh, by the time it became like, uh, uh, how do you say it? It's uh, by default, let's say uh -huh. that we uh, we start calling camp. Okay. But it's building. It's not a camp, not tents. It's okay. buildings. So, so these are would have been originally the United Nations set up these yes. camps with tents so that people could have some place. And yes. eventually, they've been able to build. That, um, that, that's right. That's right. But they still do. They have uh, Palestinian passports. They or? have Palestinian passports. That's right. Okay. And they are uh, under the supervision of uh, UNRWA, United Nations Work and Relief Agency. They uh, they have schools inside the camps. Uh, the UNRWA are responsible for their uh, uh, services also as well. Okay, so if they uh, have Palestinian passports, do they still refer to themselves as refugees? Yes, because yes, because the Bethlehem or any other uh, city, it's not uh, their original cities. Okay. So that's why uh, they consider themselves as refugees. Okay, now that's different from someone like you. You also live in Bethlehem. Yes. But you're not a refugee. No, not a refugee. I'm I, I, I was born in Bethlehem, I was raised in Bethlehem, Bethlehem. Uh, I, was, I was not disposed or uprooted from my city, so that's why I, I'm, I'm considered as a Bethlehem uh, native, yes. a local. Yes. Now, Bethlehem is, uh, people know Bethlehem because it's the birthplace yes. of uh, Jesus. Um, you said you just told me you live five minutes away from the Church of the Nativity. Yeah, two minutes walking. From two, the minute, two, two minutes, two minutes walking from the Church of the Nativity. So you're a Christian. What's it like? Yeah. You were born here. You grew up here. What's it like to be a Christian living in the little old little town of Bethlehem? I always uh, thank God that I was uh, born Christian first of all. That I was raised in Bethlehem. I live in Bethlehem. Uh, this is from one side. The other side, yani, I look at the other part of the world as, yani, and I feel very sorry that maybe if I lived in another country, uh, it would be more comfortable for me, uh, for movement, for uh, living freely. But uh, honestly, to live in Bethlehem or to be a Christian in Bethlehem, it's a privilege for me. Yeah. And uh, I always thank God uh, for being Christian. Uh, for being in Bethlehem uh, and also for being a, a Christian from our from the Syriac community in which Arabic uh, uh, Jesus spoke that language yes so, uh, you, speak, you speak Aramaic well I pray Aramaic but I don't speak I know some prayers in Aramaic like uh, the Lord's Prayer uh, I know it in, uh, in Aramaic so are there still people who speak Aramaic day to day yes there are. In here or in yeah, Syria? No, no, we have here in Syria. Here we have uh, some of. We have uh, some here in Bethlehem speak. We have some in Jerusalem. We have some uh, in Jordan, in Syria, uh, as well in Lebanon, Iraq, and uh, we have uh, so many people spread all over Europe and the United States. Okay. Uh, we always love to speak our language, but the problem uh, that uh, we face that we don't, we, 
we our our parents uh, doesn't sp- uh, speak this language don't speak this language and we don't have schools to teach us this to language okay. yes yeah, so uh, by going to church every sunday we know we know some words we know some prayers uh, but and anyway, we hope in future for our kids uh, to speak this language and we hope we are also hoping to spread our language all over the world so the, the people would know any more our, yeah. about our language. Maybe that's a, an interesting project to actually get teachers to start educating people to speak uh, to speak the language. Um, you said something about thinking that if maybe you were had been born in a place like Canada, you'd be more comfortable. But here we are, we're sitting in this restaurant, there's this amazing meal, we're drinking beer that's that's uh, made, brewed here in Palestine, we're smoking, you know, your traditional argile, um, you have a car, you you do have difficult, I mean, when I met you, you were in Jerusalem, so, so you have some mobility. It, it, I've just been here for a day. Yes. It seems to me that you can live fairly comfortably here. Well, not. Uh, it look, uh, doesn't look like uh, what you see. For me, I'm till now. I'm uh, not married. Uh, I have Israeli res- residency, so uh, that means that uh, it would be more comfortable for me if I want to get married to have uh, one from Jerusalem or from Israel. But being living in Bethlehem for all my life, all my friends from Bethlehem, uh, it's very difficult to find someone in Jerusalem to get married to. Okay. Because all my life, Bethlehem. So, so sorry. So, but, uh, so if I want to get married to one from Bethlehem, that means I'll have I'll put myself in so many difficulties. For example, if I want to, if, if you want to go to pray in Jerusalem, that means that my wife cannot come with me. If I want to go to other uh, city in the West Bank, that means my wife should use another road and I should go from another road. If I want to go outside for states of Canada, I could use the Israeli airport, but my wife, she cannot. She has to go to Jordan and from Jordan she can go out. Okay, so again, let's see if we can explain that a little bit for people. You you have Israeli ID ID, ID, residency because you were in Jerusalem or your family was in Jerusalem at the time. At the time, that was uh, occupied, 1967. Uh, Okay, and so, but but if you uh, married uh, someone, a woman who's from Bethlehem, who yes. is, who's not an Israeli, yes. uh, who doesn't have an Israeli residency, yeah. um, then she wouldn't have the same mobility as you. Yes, that's right. But you could marry a Palestinian who has Israeli that's right. either citizenship or or yes. residency. Or, yeah, that's right. The, okay. Can, yeah, that's right. Okay. So there are there a lot of people in that situations that that have that those problems of that yes, the wife of and the husband. Yes, yes, of course. One uh, one example is uh, Joseph, who's uh, working with us for the commission. Uh-huh. He's from Bethlehem, and he's been married to a lady from Jerusalem, and he's uh, for 17 or 15 years he's been fighting to get his residency in Jerusalem, and uh, till now uh, he didn't get it for 15 years, and he's living in Jerusalem, paying taxes, paying insurance. Uh, he have uh, he has his own house in Jerusalem until now uh, he doesn't have his residency because the Israeli law uh, freezed uh, uh, the Israeli uh, government freezed the law of giving residency to Palestinian 
female or male. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Gabby. I'm going to leave it there. Um, you have a beautiful country. I hope to come back. Yeah, we hope um, also. Uh, we want to thank you for your visit and for your concern in our country. And also, we'd love to have you from time to time. Also, we are uh, inviting you to celebrate uh, Christmas here in the oh. country. It's very good, uh, very beautiful, especially in the city of Bethlehem. Uh, so many activities we have uh, also Easter time yeah. uh, we have good uh, spiritual uh, celebrations here in the country I can imagine thank you so much next you time I come I'll stay at your house yes well I have a good space yeah, you can you as well okay very your good family as well. thank you you're most welcome so I've been talking to Gavi Kanso he's Kando Kando sorry um, he is the uh, project coordinator for pontifical missions here in Palestine you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel, Sirius 159 and XM 117. Here now is the St. Michael's Choir School with the Lord's Prayer by Albert Hay Malot.
That was the St. Michael's Choir School with the Lord's Prayer by Albert Hay Malott. You're listening to a special edition of Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. I'm here with Ali Badran. We're sitting by the Mediterranean, I have to say this, because this is uh, our second last night. This is one of the last nights that we're here in uh, Palestine, Israel. And uh, in the Holy Land, thank you. And Ali, uh, we'll talk about your work in a little bit. Um, you are uh, the development uh, director, let's say, fundraising director at, at the House of Grace, which is a place for uh, uh, ex-offenders or for, for uh, criminals who are doing their, their uh, parole. Anyway, we can talk about that later. But we've been talking about unity among Christians here. First, can you just tell me what it's like to be a Christian in the Holy Land? Oh, well, I think you've hit, uh, you've hit a critical issue here. Being a Christian in the Holy Land isn't, isn't easy. Let's start with this. First of all, well, defining a Christian in the Holy Land as a definition, as an ID, is problematic when you face, uh, when you face the culture and people living here. Because I think uh, everyone here has their own identity crystallized. But Christians have this, always this question, what am I? And they start going off from there. Am I an Arab, a Palestinian, an Israeli? Um, and I think we have parts of everyone and still have our own unique identity, which we are sometimes not preserving well enough. You, you said to us on the bus earlier a little bit about when you were a teenager and how you had to, I don't know if it was an assignment, you had to identify your, yourself. Can you, can, you, can you remind me of that mental process that you went yeah, through? Yeah, okay. So, so I was asked again to, to, to identify myself and find my own ID. And I was thinking to myself, well, okay, let's say I'm an Arab because I share the culture, I speak the language, so yeah, okay, I'm an Arab. However, on the other hand, I'm not welcomed by Arabs. I'm not liked by Arabs because I'm a Christian. I'm a different part. I have my own uh, culture within a culture. So, and I'm, I'm not a Muslim. Most Arabs are Muslims. So Muslims don't like me because I'm a Christian in a way. In a way. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Uh, so I said, okay, I'm an Israeli because I live in, in Israel. However, when, when I look at myself, Israelis don't see Arabs or perceive Arabs as, uh, as Christians. They perceive them as Arabs. Uh, and so I'm different and I'm, I'm not accepted by the Israeli culture as an Israeli. Even my ID doesn't uh, have the tag Israeli. There isn't such an identi identity or, uh, or citizenship as Israeli. Or nationality, sorry. There isn't so, nationality. so what does your ID say? Uh, first of all, they wrote an Arab. They wrote Arab, so they identify me with Arabs. They see me as an Arab. However, the Arabs see me as a Christian because I'm not a Muslim. So, in a way, I'm, I'm between the hammer and the anvil. I'm being uh, pushed to both directions, in opposite directions, and can't find myself. The only part which I was very sure about is my part of my part of identity that said Christian. So when I say to, stated to my friends and colleagues, I said, that, okay, well, I'm not sure about everything else. What I'm sure about is me being Christian. I had these uh, faces uh, looking at me in a weird way, saying, well, you know what? Nobody is a Christian. You can't have an identity as a Christian. And my question was, why? I am living in the Holy Land as a Christian. I'm being liked and hated by all groups because I'm a Christian, not because I'm an Arab or an Israeli or a Jew or a Muslim. If I'm being hated, 
It's because I'm a Christian. If I'm being liked on so many occasions, it's because I am a Christian. In a way, Christians face uh, this um, semi-political almost uh, situation when they have to identify themselves. Because living in Israel, you are looked at in, this, in so many ways, and you have to take stance and say, what are you? Like, when, uh, when there is our political problems between Arabs and Jews, which is purely political, Palestinians and Israelis. When they look at us, they ask us, which stance do you take? Is it the Palestinian stance or the Israeli stance? Well, I'm sorry, I can't take this. Well, part of my family is Palestinian. I am an Israeli. It's not an issue of whether I'm with Israel or with Palestine. It's an issue of faith, of looking at the world in a different perspective. Everyone is a human being and we can resolve all the problems in a peaceful way through dialogue. And I refuse to take stance. And this refusal in taking stance alienates me as a Christian from the Israeli a community and the Palestinian community alike. So I stand there by myself. Everyone is looking at me, and I am looking at everyone. And everyone have their own perspective. Me, but everyone shares the same perspective as I do. I am a Christian, after all, and this is all I have. So you take that. You take the Christian stance. Um, that, that's the side you take. Now those those. It's it's interesting because I, I thought you were going to talk about unity, and now you sounded like you're talking about division. But the division that you're talking about is is more ideological. It has nothing to do with faith, because you have Christians who are like you're you're, you're Greek or Greek Catholic. I'm Melkite Catholic. You're Melkite. Okay. okay, yeah, so as opposed to Greek Orthodox. And then you also here have maybe some Maronites, or they might be different. And people in North America are not as familiar with the different rites. So can you talk a little bit about the different, uh, I guess, their rites within Christianity and how they, what holds them united? Well, we have, uh, I think, I think through your visit in the, in the Holy Land, you could see the diversity of people, the diversity of colors, the diversity of political, political views, and the church has a magnificent diversity. And as St. Paul said, each of us is part of the body of Christ. And it's magnificent to see how these parts make one body. We have Catholics, we have Orthodox, we have Maronites who are Catholics, we have Copts, we have the Armenians, Syrians, we have many divisions on many rights, many people from all around the world. However, we share one thing, one language, and it is the language of Jesus Christ, of being the part of one body. Why do we feel this? We feel this because of one thing, and it's a blessed thing, it is persecution. And sometimes, you know, when we say to people we are persecuted, they think we are begging uh, for their sympathy, we are begging for their help and assistance. Well, when I say it, when I personally say it, when I say we suffer persecution, I say it with pride. I say it with certain pride, with humanity but pride. Sorry, because our Savior, Jesus Christ, was also persecuted, or and there's a, I mean, we follow someone who was killed. No, because he said, blessed are you if you were persecuted in my name. So yes, we are blessed. And you know, we are blessed and we are happy. You know why? Because for once, you know, I, I want to tell you a short story. I went, uh, I went to visit Jerusalem, you know, in a pilgrimage within the Holy Land. 
and I met there many groups, uh, many Christian groups from abroad, from uh, Palestine, from Israel, whatever. And I started uh, singing a hymn, and it's a very common hymn in Arabic, and it has a certain tune. And a certain group from Korea came and started singing the same hymn in their own world words, but using the same tune. Another group from I don't know where started singing in a different language, using the same tune. And I realized, and it came to me, and I realized we are one. We use many languages, even to express ourselves. We have so many different ways to express ourselves. But is but it is one that unites us. We met in the church, in front of God. We were humbled by His grace, and we wanted to gracefully sing and glorify God, and we used the same tune, which is actually a spiritual thing that I which I think everybody experienced it. And I think they started singing because they heard the tune that they recognized, and others started following the same way. It was very touching. But you know, when I was baptized, I received the most important thing. I received the Holy Spirit. And this is the thing that moves me most and moves every Christian most here in the Holy Land, being Christian. Unfortunately, persecution has its price. And many Christians say that, okay, I want to live happy. I, I want to live uh, in peace. I will live my dreams, and I can't achieve my dreams of peace here in the Holy Land. So they decide so they to back leave. and leave. And this is most unfortunate. So maybe maybe a good a good message to end up for people in North America that are listening to this is if you're Palestinian and you're living in North America, pack your bags and come back because they need you here. Um, uh, thank you so much, Eli. We're talking to Eli Badran. Um, we're in this little restaurant. What's the name of this restaurant? Maxim. Maxim in Haifa, where not a uh, hundred feet from the Mediterranean uh, sea here um, and we're going to just stop this conversation so that we can eat. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that concludes part two of a special Salt and Light Radio from the Holy Land. To listen to part one, visit our website saltandlighttv.org radio. All our podcasts are available for download at that site. And remember to send us any mail about anything that you hear on this program. Thanks for listening. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. And this has been Salt and Light Radio. Mm-hmm.